0: Welcome to the Seek Podcast. We are so glad you're here. I'm Erin Falbo, your host for this season. Each week, we're sharing content that dives into the heart of the gospel, who God is, who we are, and what it means to live in relationship with Him. We're excited to walk with you as you encounter the Lord. In this episode, Jessica Naven provides three principles for spiritual warfare, explains the tactics of evil spirits, and offers guidance on how to engage in spiritual combat. Our next speaker has served with Focus on the formation team since 2011. She graduated from St. Louis University in 2006 with a degree in social work. Since joining Focus, she's led hundreds of retreats around the country and launched other spiritual formation projects. Her current role is Senior Manager of Spiritual Formation and she resides in Denver, Colorado. Speaking today on Spiritual Warfare, please help me welcome Jessica Navin.
1: Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What's the most strategic way to cause the downfall of a human soul? This is the question that C.S. Lewis undertakes in his book, The Screwtape Letters. In The Screwtape Letters, you have an, inex- an experienced demon, Screwtape, giving advice to his inexperienced nephew demon, Wormwood tape is advising Wormwood on how to tempt a particular soul away from God. And throughout the course of the book, World War II is raging in the background, and this particular man gets caught up in the war. But C.S. Lewis is quick to point out that there is a war in the physical world, but there's an even greater war in the spiritual world. Wormwood and screw tape are engaging in spiritual warfare against humankind. So, what is spiritual warfare? Spiritual warfare is the battle for souls. On the one hand, you have demons who are trying to tempt souls to turn away from God so that they will be miserable in hell for all of eternity. But on the other side, you have Jesus and his followers jesus has given us the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations and we when we make disciples we make people followers of jesus and they become one with him and their destiny is to be happy forever in heaven but of course evil spirits don't want this and so they engage in warfare against those who are trying to make disciples Now, in order to engage in warfare, you need to understand the tactics of the enemy. So in this talk, I am going to use the teaching of St. Thomas Aquinas on the faculties of the human soul in order to show you how demons are able to influence human beings and attack us. And I'll also talk about ways that we can engage in spiritual combat against the evil spirits. But first, I would like to offer you three principles of spiritual warfare to give us some context as we explore this topic. So first key principle of spiritual warfare is that spiritual warfare is common. It's an everyday occurrence. If you are breathing, you will go through spiritual warfare, and that will probably happen more frequently than you think. People often miss spiritual warfare because they think that it's for the super saints. And they're looking for big things, big ways that demons attack them. And they often miss the small, subtle ways that demons attack them every day. So spiritual warfare is common. Second key principle about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is a battle for your faith. And because it's a battle for your faith, it is a battle for your mind. When you make an ascent of faith, when you say yes to revealed truths, that takes place in your intellect. And so evil spirits seek to attack your intellect. I lead retreats for focus, and sometimes when I lead a retreat, retreatants will come to me and say, there was so much spiritual warfare before this retreat. We got a flat tire and we arrived late. Now, can demons influence the physical and give you flat tires? Yes, they can. But is that the most strategic way to arrive at their end goal? Probably not. Because their end goal is your faith. So, If they give you a flat tire, you will call a friend. You'll call a tow truck. You'll figure it out. It probably won't affect your faith. But if when you get a flat tire, which naturally occurs, a demon whispers to you, why did God let you get a flat tire? You were on your way to a retreat. You were trying to grow in your relationship with him. And he let this happen to you. He doesn't really care about you and say that every time something negative happens to you, a demon whispers that over and over again, you could eventually turn away from God. And that intellectual weapon that they just used against you was very effective. So please keep in mind, it's not about your tires. It's about your faith. Spiritual warfare is a battle for your faith. Third key principle of spiritual warfare, Spiritual warfare is about your greater spiritual journey. Evil spirits could not attack you, could not influence you in any way unless Jesus allowed them to do so. Why would he do that? It's because he can bring a greater good out of that spiritual warfare, out of that suffering that is so good, if you could see it, you would choose to be in spiritual warfare in order to arrive at that end goal. So when you're in spiritual warfare, a lot of times people want a silver bullet prayer that will make the warfare stop. And that's understandable. Uh, Of course you want the spiritual warfare to end. It's not pleasant. But if you had a silver bullet prayer that would make it stop, you'd be missing the point. Because the point is that you continue to grow into the image of Jesus, that you grow in virtue. And so if you feel like you are in spiritual warfare right now, you should go to Jesus in prayer and ask him, Jesus, why are you allowing this right now? What virtue do you want me to grow in? How is this helping me in my greater spiritual journey? So having provided that context, I'd like to shift uh, into talking about the tactics of the enemy. Now, it's important to note Evil spirits are not able to directly influence your will. Only God can do that. But they are able to influence other human faculties. So they can't make a person sin, but they can try to convince a person to sin by influencing the lower faculties. Now, human beings have a lot of faculties. I can't talk about all of them today, but I'll talk about five of them. The imagination, the memory, the emotions, the reasoning faculties, and the perceptions. Let's start with the imagination. Demons are able to place an image into the imagination. So take, for example, you are on a committee planning an event for your parish or your Newman Center. And you're at a committee meeting. And the person running the meeting is talking about the progress of the event. And they happen to say, oh, yes, and we can't move forward with this particular thing because you didn't get something done. And they move on. And later, you're a little bit irritated about that. Why did they call you out in front of everyone? And a demon sees this and places an image into your imagination of you going to that leader and telling them off. And so you'd start to dialogue with this image in your imagination, and you say, you didn't mention all the things that you haven't gotten done, and I did all of these other things, and you didn't mention those. Why did you call me out in front of everyone? But then the demon whispers to you, you know, that leader will never listen. And you're like, "Yep, yeah, that's right. What should we do? And so then the demon places a new image in your imagination, and that might be you going and talking to a higher leader, like the priest. And so you're talking to the priest in your imagination, and you're telling him about how you were maligned at this meeting and about all of your great ideas to take ministry to the next level. And the priest is sitting there like, I see what you mean. You are brilliant. How could I have not realized this before? And, but then uh, the demon says to you, but you're far too humble to go to the priest yourself. And you're like, I am pretty humble. And so then he places a new image in your mind of maybe the other people in the meeting going to the priest and telling him all about you. And pretty soon, you are co-writing a movie script in your imagination with a demon. The goal here is to get you to sin through your imagination. Uh, You might sin through pride or through vanity or through anger. But the demon is influencing your imagination to convince you to sin. Now let's talk about the memory. Demons are able to pull images from your memory. An example of this might be when they call to mind your past sins. Say you really want to go deeper in your prayer life, or you want to explore a new ministry for the Lord. Those are good things, but the demon doesn't want you to do good things. And so when you have these inspirations, He will pull from your memory images of your past sins and say to you, have you forgotten that you sinned in these ways? I haven't forgotten. Other people would be scandalized by this. How can you want to do the things that you want to do when you have these sins in your past? It's impossible. And the goal there is to keep the person in shame and keep them from pursuing God's will for their life. Another way that demons are able to influence the memory is bringing to the mind, not your own sins, but other people's sins against you, so your wounds. Say that somebody has really hurt you. And maybe you've forgiven that person in the name of Jesus. And maybe you've even been reconciled to that person. But sometime later, you see the person and the demon does not want you to forgive. So he pulls from your memory the image of the painful event, and he'll whisper to you, remember how much that hurt? Doesn't it make you feel angry right now remembering that? You can't forgive that person. And you start creating barriers in your heart towards this person. And the demon's goal there is to keep you locked in unforgiveness. So those are a couple ways that demons are able to influence the memory. Now, let's talk about the emotions. Demons are able to intensify emotions. So if a person is feeling anger, which is a normal human emotion, a demon can intensify that so that the person is not just feeling anger, but rage. Now, the good news is angels are also able to influence us in the way that evil spirits are. So if you're feeling a really intense emotion, like anger or sadness or loneliness, you can pray to your guardian angel and say, guardian angel, I don't know if this is just my own emotion or if I'm dealing with a little bit of spiritual battle here. Can you please help me? Can you please lessen this emotion? And your guardian angel is able to help you. Now, another way that demons want to influence your emotions is they want you to feel discouraged. A lot of people don't recognize that discouragement is actually a spiritual attack. It's an emotion, but demons also try to utilize it for their own purposes. And so when you're feeling discouraged, you need to remember you are not powerless against this emotion. It is a temptation, and you need to fight back. Jesus wants you to respond with hope. Now, at this point, you might be wondering, how do I know what's my own human emotion and what a demon is influencing? That's a great question. A lot of times it's both. There is something natural there that a demon is trying to poke at a little bit. And so it's good to address both situations. It's good to address the natural, go to counseling, talk to a friend, do whatever you need to do to manage that emotion well. But it's also good to say a spiritual warfare prayer. Say, Jesus, I don't know uh, if anything here is spiritual or not, but if there are any demons that are trying to influence me right now, please deliver me. I ask this in your name. And if the emotion lessens, maybe it's not completely gone, but if it lessens, then okay. You were probably going through a little bit of spiritual warfare and Jesus delivered you. Praise God. But if it stays the same, then all right, that's probably just your natural human emotion and you should deal with that accordingly. But it doesn't hurt to say the spiritual warfare prayers and ask Jesus for deliverance because a lot of times it is both. Now let's move on to the reasoning faculties. Jesus says that the truth will set you free. Truth is when what is in my mind conforms with what is in reality. And it's the intellect that judges whether or not something is true. The more a person sins, the more the intellect is darkened and they can't recognize the truth. And the more the intellect is darkened, the more a person sins, the more they put themselves into Satan's camp, so to speak. And he is able to influence them to a greater degree. So let's say you're praying for someone's conversion. You should pray that they have the gift of faith because it truly is a gift. But you should also pray that if there are any evil spirits that are influencing that person's intellect so that they cannot recognize the truth, that Jesus would set them free from the obstacles that those evil spirits are presenting to them. Another way that demons are able to influence the reasoning faculties is by presenting subtle obstacles to the mind towards doing the good. Say you are at home on a Saturday, you wake up, you eat breakfast, and you think, I should pray. That's inspired by the Holy Spirit. A demon doesn't want you to pray. And so the demon presents an obstacle towards prayer in your mind and puts a thought into your mind saying, you should do the dishes. Your roommate asked you to do the dishes, and that would be a charitable thing. God wants you to be charitable. And you think that's true, so you do the dishes. And then when you're done with the dishes, the demon then puts a new thought into your mind. You should start the laundry because if you start the laundry now, then when you're done praying, the laundry will be done. And you will pray, but you just need to start the laundry first. And you're like, well, that makes sense. So you start the laundry. And what happens? These subtle obstacles keep coming and you spend the whole day and you never pray. And the demon's goal there is to present subtle obstacles in your mind towards doing the good. Now, the last human faculty that I'd like to talk about today is the perceptions. Jesus wants his church to be united in love. And he brings together certain individuals in his church to accomplish a certain task. The best example of this is when he brings together a man and a woman in marriage. But he brings together lots of groups. Uh, He brings together focus teams and the community at a Newman Center or a parish staff. And Jesus wants those groups to be united. God loves unity, but the devil loves division. So the devil wants to divide what God has brought together. Saint Thomas Aquinas says that the principal effect of love is union. So if you love someone and you see them as a lovable creature, you want to be with them. So the devil knows he can't divide you as long as you see the other people as lovable. So his goal is to make you think, no, this other person is not a lovable creature. I do not want to be with them. And he does this by influencing your perceptions. There's an example that I heard a priest give once that I thought was really good. He said, say there is a husband and a wife, and the wife gets up early to make her husband breakfast. And she wants the breakfast to be ready when he gets up. So she says to him, what time are you getting out of bed? An evil spirit who wants to divide that couple can influence the husband's perception of her words to not be, what time are you getting out of bed? But what time are you getting out of bed? The implication there being, you're lazy, you should be getting up earlier. And then he can place an image of the wife into the husband's mind, and the husband starts dialoguing with her and arguing with her in his mind, saying, I only wanted to sleep 15 more minutes. I let you sleep in last week. You don't appreciate the sacrifices that I make for you. And by the time he gets up, he's ready for a fight. And she didn't intend any of that. But that's one way that demons can use the perceptions in order to divide us. So switching gears here, I'd like to talk a little bit about how we can fight back against the obstacles and manipulations of the enemy. So the first way that we can fight back is to live a holy life, have a life of daily prayer, and and frequent the sacraments, especially the sacrament of confession. Confession is a healing sacrament, and it's also a sacrament of deliverance. So go to confession frequently. I'd recommend every two weeks, but go frequently. And when you go to confession, pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the roots of your sins and any lies that you might have believed that have led you into sin. So live a life of holiness. The second thing that I would recommend to you is to know your weaknesses. St. Ignatius of Loyola says that the enemy is like the commander of an army. When the commander of an army wants to take a fortress, he examines the fortress from every side to figure out what the weakest point is. And then he attacks it there. The enemy works the same way with us. They examine us. They watch us. And they try to figure out where we are weakest and most vulnerable and they attack us there so you should meditate you should go to the Lord in prayer and ask him Jesus where am I weakest what virtue do I need to go grow in so that I can withstand the attacks of the enemy and Jesus will reveal that to you a really good way to grow in your own understanding of how the enemy attacks your weaknesses is by praying a daily examination of consciousness. This is also called the examine prayer. But it's a 15-minute prayer that you pray in the evening where you review your day and you look at your interior movements during the day. When was I in consolation, which is how God's spirit leads us? And when was I in desolation? Which is how the evil spirit leads us. And as you pray this prayer, you grow in awareness of both the workings of the enemy and more importantly, how God works in your soul. So know your weaknesses. Third practice that I'll recommend to you is revealing your temptations in confession or in spiritual direction. St. Ignatius says that the enemy is like a licentious lover. So if a man is trying to seduce a woman who has a good husband or a good father, he wants her to keep his seduction secret because he knows as soon as the woman tells that good husband or good father, he's going to put an end to it. And the enemy is the same way with us. He wants to isolate us. He wants us to keep his temptations his seductions hidden within our hearts and so the best thing that we can do is to reveal those temptations go to your spiritual director and tell him or her this is the temptation that i'm really struggling with right now and when you do that the manipulations of the enemy are exposed to the light you're able to see them more clearly and your spiritual director is able to help you make a plan for how you can withstand those temptations. Fourth practice that I'll recommend to you is called talking back. This practice is fighting back with truth. The Desert Fathers wrote manuals to train young monks who came into the desert seeking a life of prayer and solitude. And in these manuals, they had a practice called talking back which they took from the scripture passage where Jesus is tempted by Satan. When Satan tempts Jesus, Jesus talks back. He responds to Satan's temptations with scripture. He responds with truth. And so the Desert Fathers recommended that young monks do the same thing. Memorize scripture passages. And then when Satan tempts you, you respond with the word of God. So say you're really tempted to worry. You're worried about uh, whether or not you will get married or uh, finding a job after college or all of the difficulties in your life. You worry about them. That can be a demonic temptation. So try memorizing the scripture verse from Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare, not for woe. Plans to give you a future full of hope. And every time you have that temptation, recite that scripture passage. Eventually, the demons will stop trying to tempt you in that way. And your faith will have been strengthened. The last practice that I would like to recommend to you is conforming your mind to the mind of Christ. It isn't enough for you to just reject temptations. You have to become one with Jesus, and you have to put on his mind. A great way to do this is what we were just talking about, reading scripture. When you read scripture, you become familiar with the heart of God, and you see how he has been working in human history, in the world, and even in your own life. But another way that you can put on the mind of Christ is by good spiritual reading read the writings of the saints or other good spiritual books like The Imitation of Christ. Sometimes when I'm feeling really attacked, uh, really tempted by evil spirits, I'll read the catechism, and as I'm filling my mind with that truth, I'm becoming conformed to how God thinks, and I feel strengthened to continue the spiritual fight. Now, I'd like to conclude this talk by returning to a point that I made at the beginning. Spiritual warfare is about your greater spiritual journey. And I'd like to illustrate this through a story from the life of St. Anthony of the Desert. St. Anthony of the Desert was a monk who lived in the desert, and he had reached such a degree of sanctity that other souls came into the desert to imitate his life and to follow Jesus as he did. And the demons hated St. Anthony. So one day, St. Anthony goes into a cave, and demons surround him, and they rush upon him, and they attack him, and they beat him so savagely that his disciples thought that he would die. And they took him home, and he revived, and he said, I'm going back to that cave, so he went back to the cave and again he faced the demons and as they were preparing to rush upon him a second time, suddenly a bright light appeared and St. Anthony knew that Jesus had made his presence known and the demons fled. And St. Anthony said to Jesus, oh good Jesus, where have you been so long? Why did you not show up in the beginning to heal my wounds? And Jesus said to St. Anthony, I was here, but I wanted to see you fight. And because you have fought bravely, I will make your name renowned through all the earth. In our discipleship with Jesus, we will go through spiritual warfare. Jesus wants us to fight and to fight bravely. Let's close with a prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end, amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.
0: Thanks for listening friends. To hear more content from speakers like this, join us for Seek 24 in St. Louis, January 1st through the 5th. Visit seek.focus.org to learn more.